You're listening to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver, and you're listening to the second part of our Celebrate Life March, which took place on January 12th of this past year. We have an exciting lineup today. We have David B. Wright, who's our MC. Remember, he's the founder of 40 Days for Life and just came into the church this past Easter. We also have the McGarity family, who are raising several special needs children. What a beautiful story you're going to hear from them. And you're going to hear from Elias Moe, the superintendent of Catholic schools, as he talks about the importance of life and how that affects everything that we do in our decision-making. But I'd like to talk about some of the current events that we've seen recently, uh, especially what's been going on in Virginia, New York, what's about to go on in Rhode Island. What we're seeing is extreme abortion laws being put into place because elected officials and states are worried that the Supreme Court might overturn Roe versus Wade. So they want to make sure that they get these tough, ridiculous abortion laws where children can be killed up to the minute of birth. But then we even heard further from the Virginia governor, who's now talking infanticide, where children can be born and mom and dad and doctors get to choose what do they want to do with that child? Do they want to keep the child? So now it's not even a matter of whether this is a child or not. It's really, this is a woman's right to do whatever she wants. And children have no rights. That's where we're headed. That's exactly what we're seeing state after state. Now, one of the sad things I think uh, that I've heard most recently and several times was people, they were so upset about these laws, they had no idea this was the law in Colorado. Since the early 1970s, we've had 40 years of killing babies in the third trimester here in Colorado And few people were aware that that's what's going on. Throughout Colorado in 2017, there were more than 8,800 abortions reported at all stages of development. So I think this is a reminder to all of us that we need to educate ourselves on what are our laws and who are we electing. Remember, elections have consequences. And this Celebrate Life March, where you're going to hear the second part with these great speakers is a reminder that this is just a jumping off point. We need to defend life from conception through natural death. This shouldn't be, hey, here's a one-time event. I went out, we marched, I feel good about myself. What are we doing? Are we talking to our elected officials? Are we educating our children? Are we doing the things that we're called to do? So as we listen to this second part, let us get ourselves in the, in the mindset of being an advocate for these little children who have no one to speak for them. So enjoy this second part with David B. Wright, the McGarity family, and Elias Moe as we hear the second part of our Celebrate Life March. It is now my privilege to introduce to you a unique and amazing family. They are living out this dignity of life that Elizabeth was talking about. They're living out the gospel of life 24-7, 365 days of the year, right here in the city of Denver. Jeff and Sonia McGarity, along with their eight children, live in Centennial, Colorado. They attend St. Thomas More Parish. Let's welcome them to share their beautiful story. Please welcome the McGarrities. (laughs) 
Good afternoon, and thank you for the opportunity to share about the joy of our family's life. Allow me to begin by asking if you know why Down syndrome is called what it is. Many people think that the name Down syndrome comes from the observation that individuals with this condition are often delayed or, quote, down in certain abilities or their IQ. But that's not the reason. We'll tell you why in a moment. First, a little about us. After our first two sons, Thomas and Sean, were born in 2003 and 2004, our third son, Jeffrey, was born in 2006. Jeffrey's prenatal ultrasounds looked just like our previous children's, so about an hour after his birth, when our midwife told us she thought Jeffrey had Down syndrome, we were surprised, and we began a journey that day that we could not have anticipated before then. In 2007, our fourth son, Brendan, was born. And in 2008, God put it on my heart to Google Down syndrome adoption. That led me to a chat with Robin at the National Down syndrome adoption network, who had herself adopted several children with Down syndrome and who is now helping other parents throughout the country do the same. After talking to Robin, I thought, yeah, Lord, we could do that. We could love a second sweet kiddo with Down syndrome. So in 2010, we met and adopted Cecilia as a newborn. Then to prove that God had a sense of humor and knows exactly what we need, what we need, Augustine was born in 2011, one year and four days after Cecilia's birth. Since then, we have adopted Rose Marie, who was born in 2015, and our sweet little Charlotte, who was born three months ago. Her adoption is not yet finalized, but both of these precious daughters have Down syndrome as well. That brings us to five boys and three girls, or four typical kiddos and four kiddos with Down syndrome. Now to answer the question why, that, why Down syndrome has its name. It's actually named after the English doctor who first described the condition in the 1860s, Dr. John Langdon Down. In case you didn't know, Down syndrome is also called trisomy 21 because people with this condition have three copies of their 21st chromosome instead of two. In an article entitled, Why, it is, called, Why is it Called Down Syndrome? Author Mark Leach wishes that Dr. Down's last name had been awesome instead. Think about it, here's how the conversation where a doctor informs parents that their child has trisomy 21 would sound if his name had been Dr. Awesome. The parents say, yes doctor, what do you need to tell us? The doctor says, we believe that your child has awesome syndrome. As we gather today to voice our respect for life, we are aware that the pro-life movement is sometimes criticized as just being pro-baby. Our family loves babies. I guess that's obvious. But we love mothers and fathers as well, and we have open adoptions with all three sets of our girls' birth parents, and we honor them as heroes because they've chosen life instead of abortion for their children. We feel that open adoption is a win-win situation because it allows the birth parents to continue to experience their child's love rather than suffering the loss of the love if they were to have chosen abortion. 
Unfortunately, as you may or may not know, there's a tragic connection between abortion and Down syndrome. In 2017, CBS published an article about Iceland entitled, What Kind of Society Do You Want to Live In Inside the Country Where Down Syndrome is Disappearing? From the title of this article, you might think that the doctors in Iceland have somehow figured out how to cure Down syndrome. In fact, the article relates that, quote, since prenatal screening tests were introduced in Iceland in the early 2000s, close to 100% of women who received a positive test for Down syndrome terminated their pregnancy. <clears throat> and to bring this shocking tragedy closer to home, the article explains that according to recent data, the United States has an estimated termination rate of 67% when a child tests positive for Down syndrome before birth. A counselor in Iceland who meets with women who have a pregnancy with a chromosomal abnormality said, quote, we don't look at abortion as murder, we look at it as a thing that we ended. We ended a possible life that might have had a huge complication, preventing suffering for the child and for the family. And I think that is more right than seeing it as a murder. That's so black and white. Life isn't black and white, life is gray, she said. While families who have children with special needs, and all families for that matter, certainly have their share of sleepless nights and frustrating days, we are glad to welcome the suffering that has these four bright-eyed kiddos as a part of our lives. Baby Charlotte became part of our family rather quickly. And so telling our children was quite a surprise to them. When we told Brendan, our 11-year-old, that we were adopting again, he quickly asked us, does this baby have Down syndrome? And when we said that she did, we were touched by his response. Yes. As I consider the amazing pro-life warriors here and across our country who have tirelessly proclaim the pro-life message, I sometimes feel the need to do more for the pro-life movement. But then I remind myself of Mother Teresa's challenge. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Each one of us and each family can change the world by being pro-life, by being for life, which begins with going home and loving our families. Hold on. <laughs> it's okay, I'm done. In closing, I recently heard a song entitled Do Something by Matthew West, which spoke to my heart, and so I share it today. The lyrics begin like this. Saw a world full of trouble now. Thought, how'd we ever get so far down? How's it going to ever turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I created you. While not every family is called to have four kiddos with Down syndrome, we've discovered that the something that God had called us to do is just that. 
The question we invite you to answer is what is the something or the something else? You're all here today. What's the something else that God has called you to do? Thank you for letting us share a little bit of our story with you today, and let's all go do something to change the world. Wow, can we hear it one more time for the McGarity family? Thank you so much for doing something and for inspiring us to do something and for being such a profound witness to the dignity of every human life and living it out in your family. It is my privilege to welcome to this platform the Superintendent for Catholic Schools in the Archdiocese of Denver. Please welcome Mr. Elias Moe. Let's make him feel welcome. Brothers and sisters, hermanos y hermanas, good afternoon. Muy buenas tardes. My name is Elias Mo, Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Archdiocese of Denver. It's a great privilege for my wife, Claudia, and our boys to be here today to join you in this celebration of life with so many members of our Catholic school community. If you're a part of our Catholic school community, let's hear you make some noise. We're joined today by many pastors, principals, teachers, parents, students, volunteers, other members of our Catholic school communities who are here because our Catholic school communities are pro-life communities. Amen? And what a blessing to be part of an educational community that partners with parents who are the primary educators of children in their mission to form them as virtuous young men and women. Our children represent the hope of the future for our country and our world. Theirs will be the great task of continuing to defend and to protect life. As such, our Catholic schools are committed to equipping them with the intellectual capacities that they need to defend truth and authentic freedom in a world that sadly has lost its sense of what is true, what is good, and what is right. And as a result, discards life. This is why we are gathered here today, to give witness to truth, the truth that human life in all its stages, from the moment of conception to natural death, is sacred and precious because it contains the image of God. And no person, no law, no institution, no judicial or legislative body can change this truth no matter how hard they try. Life is sacred because it comes from God. It does not belong to us, it belongs to God. As such, our duty before God then is to cherish, defend, and protect the gift of life. Our duty to our neighbors, even those that, that, that disagree with us, is to serve the common good of our society by defending the most vulnerable and fighting against the culture of death for the fighting for the most fundamental right of all, the basis of all other rights, the right to life. Brothers and sisters, the Lord needs our witness of love for life, love for the light that the Lord has and gives to the world through life. This light is capable of changing hearts and illuminating the darkness of the world. One of the great witnesses of this love for life were my own parents. My mother, when she was expecting her fifth child, my youngest brother, was told six months into her pregnancy that my brother would be born with severe defects and that the birth was so high risk that she would most likely die giving birth. And so she was better off 
terminating the pregnancy. My mom turned to the gynecologist and said, I love life because I love Christ. And said no. And today my brother's a mechanical engineer working in robotics. And there's so many more stories like that. But it takes men and women, courageous men and women, that love life because they love Christ. So let us show this city and this state, its citizens and its leaders, our families and friends, coworkers and classmates, that we love life because we love Christ. We love life because we love Christ. We love life because we love Christ. Y ahora que se oiga más fuerte, ¿dónde están los latinos? Yo los he escuchado más fuerte en conciertos de, de Luis Miguel. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo están los latinos? El, el Señor ha traído a nuestra comunidad hispana a este momento de la historia de nuestro país y de nuestra iglesia porque el Señor necesita de nuestros esfuerzos para restaurar y ayudar a restaurar en este país la convicción de que la vida es valiosa y la vida es sagrada porque la vida es un regalo de Dios. Amén. Como superintendente de las escuelas católicas es un privilegio para mí ser parte de una comunidad que apoya a padres de familia en su papel como los primeros y principales maestros de sus hijos. Nuestros hijos, sus hijos representan el futuro de nuestro país y de nuestro mundo. Y es por eso que nuestras, nuestras escuelas se dedican a formarlos para que sepan cómo defender la vida, la verdadera libertad, en un mundo que tristemente ha perdido todo conocimiento del valor de la vida. Es por eso que estamos aquí, hermanos, para dar testimonio a la verdad. La verdad que la vida humana en todas sus etapas desde el momento de la concepción hasta la muerte natural, es sagrada porque contiene la imagen de Dios. No hay nadie ni nada que pueda cambiar esta verdad. Y es por eso que es nuestro deber delante de Dios defender, proteger y apreciar la vida. Nuestro deber a nuestro prójimo es ver por el bien común de nuestra comunidad defendiendo el más vulnerable, peleando contra la cultura de la muerte para defender el derecho más fundamental de todos los derechos en el mundo, que es el derecho a la vida. Los hispanos somos pro vida, amén. Pero sobre todo también se trata de custodiar y proteger la vida que Dios nos ha dado, nuestra propia vida, la vida de nuestros hijos, la vida de nuestras familias protegiéndolos de la cultura de la muerte. Si no cuidamos a esta vida primero, ¿cómo vamos a poder avanzar la causa de provida en este mundo? Mis papás dieron gran testimonio de amor por la vida en la manera en que ellos llevaron a cabo su vida familiar. Los sacrificios que ellos dieron de vida por nuestra familia. A mi mamá... De, a sus seis meses de embarazo con mi hermano menor, su quinto hijo, el doctor le dijo que mi hermano iba a nacer con muchas discapacidades y le dijo, es mejor que tú abortes a ese niño, 
porque también es un riesgo para ti y mi mamá le dijo a ese doctor yo amo la vida porque yo amo a Jesucristo hermanos y hermanas hoy el Señor necesita de este testimonio de vida este testimonio será luz para la oscuridad y luz para el mundo y que en cada rincón en este día de esta ciudad y de este estado vean que celebramos y amamos la vida porque amamos a Jesús Jesús quien es el camino, la verdad y la vida Amamos la vida porque amamos a Jesucristo, amén Así que que viva Cristo Rey Que, que viva Cristo Rey Y que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe Thank you I want you to just spend a few minutes as we get ready to march Thinking about the impact that one person in one place at a gathering of people of faith can make on the entire world. In 1837, a young man was invited by some friends to go six miles west of where he lived to a church where there was a revival type meeting happening. He was not a very religious man, but he went that night because he had nothing else to do. And when they arrived at the church, it was packed with people and they had to stand along the wall because that evening, the Reverend Peter Akers was preaching a message And Reverend Akers was known throughout that region for being a very gifted and some would say prophetic Bible preacher. And that evening, Reverend Akers was preaching on the dominion of Jesus Christ. And in his message, as he shared it that night, he preached that he believed the dominion of Christ could not come in America until America ended her sin of slavery. And in his message, he shared that he believed that that likely would only happen through a bitter and divisive civil war that would split the nation down the middle, but that he believed the mercy of God was greater and that America would overcome and one day end that great injustice. And as he reached the end of his message that night in the Salem church, Reverend Akers called out to the audience assembled there and he said, who can tell? But perhaps the very man that God may use to bring an end to this great injustice is in this very presence here tonight. That young man who had come with his friends, who was standing along the wall, mere 20 feet away from where Reverend Akers was preaching, was a young Abraham Lincoln. That night on the wagon ride home, he was silent and didn't talk with his friends. And the next day, he went into his law practice and his partner who had not been with him the night before looked up and saw that Lincoln's face was tired and haggard. He could tell he hadn't slept and he said, what on earth is the matter with you? Where were you? What happened? And Lincoln shared the story with his partner about where he had been and the message that Reverend Akers had preached. And then he said these prophetic words. He said, I cannot shake from myself the conviction that I am called to play a role in helping to end this. As a young man who had gathered with other people of faith, Abraham Lincoln recognized that God was calling him for such a time as that to respond to the great crisis of his day. And he spent the rest of his life responding to that call. And history was forever changed. I'd like to today change the question that Reverend Akers asked and make it applicable for our gathering here, right in front of the Colorado Capitol in Denver, and say, who can tell? But perhaps the very man or woman that God is calling to reverse what started here may be in this very assembly here today. Is it you? And if it's not you, then who? And why aren't they already doing it? It is you. It is here. It is now. History was changed 
because of one man in this building when he unleashed the Pandora's box of abortion on our entire nation. And I believe when history marks where abortion ended, it will also speak about this very place. And it will speak about some young man or some young woman that heard the call and answered that call and became a voice for the voiceless. Maybe somebody who for the first time said, I'm going to get down on my knees and pray more fervently than I've ever prayed. Maybe somebody who said, I'm going to educate myself on these issues so I can educate others. Maybe somebody who for the very first time went to volunteer for their pregnancy help center and began to help be a voice to serve those in need in a time of an unexpected pregnancy. Maybe somebody who for the first time started to give to pro-life efforts. Maybe somebody who started to get involved in legislative and political efforts and you say, oh, yuck, that's a nasty, dirty business. We need more good God-fearing men and women in our political system, especially here in Colorado, amen? amen? And maybe somebody here today, maybe that's your call. Maybe it's to go and pray outside of the Planned Parenthood abortion facility and join a 40 days vigil or to become a sidewalk counselor. Maybe it's to speak out in your parish, in your church, in your community. I don't know what God is asking you to do, but he's asking you to do something. And so today, as we get ready to march, what I want you to do is say, God, where do you want to use me? How can I use my time, my talents, and treasure to serve you and to serve the lives of those around me? And when you do that, when you answer that call, no different than the call that Abraham Lincoln heard, you will be a part of changing history. What began in Colorado truly will end in Colorado because of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with that... Let's get ready to head carefully down the street. We're going to be led by Endow, the creators of great women's studies and carrying their banner at the front of our procession are our beautiful quinceañeras. So at the end, enjoy dancers and musicians back here at the Capitol. But I want you to say, are you ready to march? Let me hear a yes. Yeah. Are you ready to march? Yeah. Are you ready to march? Yeah. Let's march. Yeah. Woo, God bless you. You just got done listening to the second part of the Celebrate Life March. Our speakers were fantastic. We hope next year you'll make it a point to be out there with us if you weren't this year. But again, use this as a jumping off point to defend life from conception through natural death. Be that advocate out there that defends life. You've been listening to Respect Life Radio. And again, my name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities.